Pray with you real quick. Lord, we ask right now in these moments as we uh, kick off this conversation, God, we ask that you would, uh, you'd, be, you'd be with us. So, Lord, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit uh, right now in this moment to prick our hearts and to guide us to potentially uh, some brand new places where we've never gone before with you. Lord, I pray you'd equip us with some courage today to make a choice that we would never live in regrets. So, Lord, I pray that today you'd guide us to that place. In your name I pray. Amen. All right. How are we? Yeah. Yeah. How about, how about today is October 1st? Anybody just totally digging the cool temperature outside? I, I love it because my church is cooler inside finally. Yeah. Nobody's sweating today, I hope. If you are, maybe uh, maybe you are on a first-time date today, and there's a girl next to you you're trying to impress, so I won't call you out at all, okay? So, uh, well, I'm really glad you're here. My name's Jeff, and I'm one of our pastors on our team, and uh, we are three weeks into a series called Choices, and what we've been saying uh, since we started this series is essentially, if you ask the question, who are we now, who, I, who, who am I right now, essentially we are... We're a combination of all the choices we've made leading up until now. So wherever I want to go, however I want to get there, getting there is based off of the choices that we make. So hence the value of making wise choices, right? Making good choices. So we've been taking uh, each week a specific choice and saying, I choose this over this. Uh, uh, The first week we said, I I choose uh, purpose over popularity. Uh, and we, we defined that. We talked about that last week. My wife, Christy, spoke. Did a phenomenal job. Um, this week, we're going to look at a subject <clears throat> that is going to involve, uh, it's going to involve a little bit of difficulty, all right? And, and you'll know where I'm going in just a second. So before I get there, let me tell you where we're going next week, because next week is going to be powerful. Uh, you won't want to miss next week. You'll want to be here, because next week, we're going to talk about something I feel like is is, is, a, is a struggle for me, probably a struggle for all of us, and that is uh, us making the choice of choosing the important over the urgent. I don't know about you, but there are so many times throughout my day that there's conflicts in what I want to do, what I need to do, what I should be doing, but something urgent, urgent pops up, and I'm derailed, and I'm trying to figure out, like, God, is that you? Should I, that, should I go that direction, or should I continue going with what I know is the most important thing. So we're going to wrestle through that tension next week, uh, choosing the important over urgent. Uh, Today we're going to look at something that, when I think about how to start this conversation out, I'm going to go against what I remember my my early seminary professor told us. He said, don't ever start a sermon out with a negative. So I'm going to start today out with a negative, uh, just because I, I think it's the very best way. So let me say this to you, and this, this won't sound all, all sweet and, and, and happy and click your heels together and, and there's no place like home. Uh, let me just say it like this. Uh, in this life, you are going to have a whole lot of pain. Hey, welcome to my church. So glad to have you today, right? Right? So, I mean, and let's just be realistic for a moment. In this life, all of us will... will, will We'll run into some struggles, some tensions, some, some we'll, hit, we'll bump our heads against the wall several times. 
some of us will have some 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 massive severe hurt and and it's just in scripture in fact it says it in John 16:33 in this life you're going to have struggle you're going to have pain so but I want what I, what I want to look at today is some pain there's two types of pain some pain is beyond our control um we just I can't control if someone gets sick I can't control if someone gets cancer. I can't control if we have an accident. We, there, there's a lot of things out of our control. But there's a lot of things that, that involves pain that we can control. In fact, there are some choices that we need to make. There's some pain that we, ch- we need to choose to have. Yeah, I'm saying we need to choose some pain in order for us to get to where we want to go. Let me explain like this. Let me give you some examples. So, We might need to be choosing the pain of obeying our parents now. Parents, hello. Or we will be choosing the pain of consequences later. Come on, where are we at, parents? Come on, come on. All right. Um, we, we, We ought to choose the pain of studying now. Or we'll, we'll have the pain of having to retake that class over later. That's what I'm trying to tell my daughter who's in college right now as we're paying for all these classes. She's doing fine in school, by the way. Her grades are great. But I remember when I went in college and, I was pay- and someone else was paying for my college that I dropped a few, few classes. Now that it, it all comes back to you. So um, here's some pain. We should, we should choose the pain of saying no to some temptations now. So that we can, uh, so we can beat some addiction later. Um, we we ought to think about choosing the pain of living within your means, or there'll be a pain of climbing out of debt later. So you see where I'm going with this. There's two types of pain. Some's out of our, out of our control. Some is within our control. So this morning I want to look at uh, a big decision that we've got to make. And the big decision that we've got to make today is this. You'll find this in your notes. I'm going to choose, my hope is that we will choose, but for me and my house, Jeff Murphy, my house, this is a choice I'm making. I'm going to choose the pain of discipline over the pain of regret. I'm going to choose the pain of discipline and and, and disciplining my life and ordering my way, marking my path in a certain direction so that someday I don't look back and go, I regret all this. And I'll be honest. Uh... That's a hard task, and I'm not batting, I'm not batting a perfect record on that. I, I have regrets. There are things I've wished I've been better at, worked harder at, focused more on, that, that I'm now in my mid-40s, I'm going, man, this is huge for me. To make choices now, choosing what's most important rather than what I want now is, is incredibly wise and valuable and something we should do. Because if we don't, we will be those people that say, man, I'm carrying all this baggage of regret. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants to carry regret. And I think for many of you this morning, God brought you here for these moments. So let me do this. Let me define discipline real quick. If you've got your notes, you've got this in there. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Let me say that again. Discipline is choosing between what you want now, like you walked in and there was Krispy Kreme donuts out there. Lord knows, we, 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 as soon as you walk in, we lead the church directly into temptation. But it, it, that, this is it. That's, that's, the, that's the analogy. It's the antithesis of what we want, but this is the analogy. 
Discipline is choosing between what I want. Now, I want a donut, but that's not where I want to go. It takes a lot of work to have a body like this. You know what I'm saying? Okay. All right. But I, 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 don't want, I, I do want that donut now, but I don't need that donut, right? It, it's not where I want to end up. I've got a son who's 11, and I can't keep up with him now. So I'm like, I'm on this fast track. I'm like, I got to run faster. I got to be, you know. So discipline is choosing between what you want now and where you want. Now, let me, let me show you where this goes through uh, the writer this morning. Uh, his name's Paul. And he's one, of the, uh, he's one of the guys who was not one of the earliest disciples of Jesus. He came on later, uh, but he, he, uh, he had an experience with Jesus, the risen Savior. He had this moment where God gave him like this dream, this moment where he, he had this, this experience where he, he saw God. He saw Jesus in his risen, uh, his risen place. He saw Jesus after he'd risen from the dead. So we could say Paul... As he writes this, he's as godly of a guy as he possibly could be because he'd seen the risen Savior. But we see Paul, and he's going to relate like never before to us, and he does to me, and almost I want to applaud his honesty here because it reflects exactly how I feel. And I think as I read this, you're going to see this reflects exactly what you feel. This is me to a T. I say this. Also often. So Paul says this in Romans 7. He says, I don't really understand myself. He starts it out with kind of a big, broad, I don't really get myself sometimes. And then he goes into it. For, I, for what I want to do, what it, when, I want, when I want to do what is right, I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyways. And you can just hear his frustration. Like, he must have just blown it. I don't know what he did. I don't know if, he, if it was just self-inflicted, if he hurt somebody else. He's just mad at, mad at where he's at. I don't know. But you can see the, the turmoil. You can see the tension. You can see his frustration. You can see just, like, there's a gritty anger going on right here. I'm, I, I don't want to do what's wrong and I'm literally doing what's wrong. That's what he's saying. And then he flips the scripts a little bit. He kind of gets where I get sometimes, and I'll kind of get my, my, my whiny face on, and I'll just and I'll say stuff like this. Oh, what a, what a miserable person am I? And then he asks this question. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He's like, it's not me. I'm not the answer to this equation. I've been there, I've done that, I've tried, I've worked, I've tried to put my big boy pants on, I've tried to click my heels together and say I want to be a good little religious boy, and he was the best at that at one point, but he still fell short. He's tried everything, and what he's coming to is, I've, I've come to the equation, I'm not it. I'm not the answer to my equation. So he asks the question, who will help me and free me from this miserable existence where I'm dominated by sin Leading my, myself to a place of struggle and regret, who will save me from this? And he says, thank God. He's, he answers his own question because innate, not innately, but internally, because he's followed Jesus, he, he, he's given his life to Christ, he's practicing you know, God's ways in pursuing relationship with Christ. He knows the answer. He says, thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. 
And we see Paul in his earlier, this is, this is Paul's, uh, this, is a, this is a journey that we see Paul on in this early stage of Paul's life. We see this tension in this struggle. And then I'm going to show you in a little bit how we see Paul's growth happening. But what we see on the onslaught is Paul says, uh, I can't do this apart from Christ. Hands down, I need Jesus every day. Because when I'm disconnected, if I'm not really pursuing on my own, me trying to make myself the equation, I lose. I'm having regrets. I don't want regrets. I want to do what's right, but I'm still blowing it. I, want, I don't want to do what's wrong, but I'm still doing what's wrong. So Paul gives us all this tension, tension. And what we understand is it takes discipline to win over regret. It's going to take some discipline. And that's, that's a D word that nobody really, really likes. In fact, raise your hand if you like, not if you are, Raise your hand if you like discipline. Anybody like discipline? I asked this in the first hour, and I said, really, raise your hand if you like discipline. Nobody raised their hands. If I, if I asked, are you disciplined, there would be several of you that raised your hands because you, you acknowledge that if I'm going to go here, I've got to discipline myself to get there. So uh, Paul improves in this area. He, he grows, and that's, I think that's helpful because at first place, he gets honest. We connect, we relate, yeah, we've been there, we've done that, I felt like that. And then we see Paul grow. Let me show you how Paul grows. Paul begins growing in this journey. 1 Corinthians 9, he's writing this book as well. God breathes into him, he pens what God says. 1 Corinthians 9 says, don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. You know who that is? His name's Bolt. That's who gets the prize, Bolt, okay? Some of you guys are like, what? Yeah, not, that, not the guy in the Bible, the guy that runs for the Olympics. Okay, um, so Paul, Paul says, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs? Speaking to us, we're all in the race, the race of life. Everyone's running. So how do you want to run the race? Paul says, only one person gets the prize. And he says, so run to win, I think that's a wonderful little challenge. I think Christians sometimes feel like, ah, let's just take the humble place. Let's not try to do our best. Let's let someone else win. But Jesus helps Paul explain to us, run to win. You're not running for second. You're not running for fourth. Paul literally says, go for it all. Run with everything that you are. Give your very best at this, meaning that we can win. Now, I know in a room this size and the crowd we've had earlier, many of you are tripping all over yourself right now. You're trying to run to win. But you're just, I mean, you're just, it's miserable. And, and, I, and, I, and I've been there. And I've had those days. And I've had those seasons. Paul tells us to run the win, assuming and acknowledging that we can but not apart from Christ. Again, remember where he was initially? This miserable existence. Who can free me from this, this miserable sin and, and struggle and death? And he says, Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul explains some more about athletes. He says all athletes are disciplined in their training. They've got to work at it. Uh, my daughter's in college right now. She's uh, swimming at a D1 school. She is saying no to a lot of stuff. 
so she can be fast. One of those things is Coca-Cola. He's like, I love Coke so much. It's my, it's my vice, but I cannot drink Coke and perform the way I want to. So she is disciplining herself. She's working out this training. And they do that. Paul says that we do this. People do this. We do that to win a prize that will fade away. Anything we do to win on this earth kind of will fade away, right? If you work hard at your office, man, it's great. You should be your best. That, honor, that honors God to be your best. But the prize of getting the cool car, man, it, it's awesome. I love it. I, I, I you know, like when we can get something shiny and new as well. But it's going to fade away. So Paul tries to differentiate that there's something greater, and he explains it. He says that we work not for some cheap trophy, but we work and do it for an eternal prize. So we do it to give God glory here on this earth, and we do it to win, uh, win heaven, essentially, right? Uh, so Paul explains uh, this whole, this, this, uh, he gives us this visual picture. And what he's essentially talking about is during the, the time that he was speaking, he was speaking to crowds of people who would understand what he's talking about. Uh, he's speaking to the church of Corinth. And he's talking to, uh, literally about the, Ish, the, Ith, the Ithmian games. Can't even say it right. Uh, but he's explaining these games that are much like our Olympics. And they would have athletes, and this is a very popular, very public race. Um, the people would show up uh, like our Olympics, and they would take 10 months, and they would just they would, they would discipline their bodies. They would put their bodies through extreme uh, heat and extreme cold, and they would just do everything that you could possibly do to be the very best with these, these Ishmian games. And so Paul explains this. You know, he says, like, hey, they, they wouldn't drink any wine. They wouldn't drink uh, any, any bad beverages whatsoever. They hurt their body. Uh, did all this stuff. And then later on, a Hebrew writer, Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, writes about these games as well. So Paul's talking about these games, trying to help people see, like, hey, they work hard, they do this, they go for it, the goal. They beat their bodies into submission. And then later on in the book of Hebrews, that author writes about the same race, and he, he kind of expounds on it. And it gives us another perspective, and he says, let us strip off everything that hinders so we can run fast so that nothing entangles us, nothing holds us back. So... What they're explaining here is this visual of during those games, um, they would do whatever it took to win. So much so, it says in Hebrews, let us throw off everything that entangles us. For us, that would mean like, hey, the stuff that causes you to to blow it, right? Sin, mistakes, you know, wrong attitudes, just doing dumb stuff that's going to mess you up from where you want to go. But when they're talking then, the visual was, the reality was that the men in these games, they would take off all their clothes and run naked. And I'm just saying, all the more reason to not come in second. Because if you're just picturing a bunch of naked men running, which I really hope you're not right now, okay, that would mean that you're running behind somebody else. And Paul says, no, 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 run to win. So when Paul says run to win, now I understand, like, yeah, I don't want to be behind that. I want to get in front of that. So Paul says these dudes who take all their clothes off and try to get everything off so they can be fast, he helps us grasp, yeah, the goal is for us to give everything we've got in this life. 
and to get rid of anything and everything that can mess us up from doing that. So Paul says, run to win. Don't run for seconds. Go for it all because you can. So what's the application in all this? Um, another thing we learned in seminary, in my, my, my Bible teaching, preaching course, uh, was whenever you give some truth, let's, let's get to a place where there's something we can apply. So what I want to do is I want to set this up, uh, a question really as big as I can, and I'll try to draw it out and tease it out until I feel like I have you at a place where you're ready to go, what's the question? Okay, so there's a question I want to ask you that I think will pave the way for you if you'll ask it of yourselves, if you'll be honest, and you'll legitimately think this question through. So, you ready for the question? Okay, perfect. I was wanting you to have this question and wanting you to be ready for it. So, the question is this. And, and if you've got a place to write this, write this down. All right? What do you want most? And don't, don't just throw out, I don't want the lottery. Everybody wants the lottery. But what is it in your life, maybe throughout your connection with God, Maybe, maybe looking in your future that you want to go for, that you want most. What do you want most? And ladies, don't, like, if you're single, don't, like, I want Channing Tatum, right? I want him, right? I want to marry Channing, right? Um, but that's the question. Maybe you would say, I want, I want man, I, I'm so broken right now that what I want most is, is, a, is a real deep connection with God. Maybe that's what some of you have said. Maybe some of you, you're, you're like, man, I'm so unhealthy right now physically. I, I've got to do something about where I'm at. I want to lose 20 pounds, right? Maybe it's not a weight thing. I don't want to go there and have everyone mad at me. We know beauty's not in, in, in how much you weigh, but maybe there's some unhealthiness right now. Maybe you say, I need, to, I need to do something about it. Maybe that's what you would write down. Maybe that's what you would say. Maybe you'd say, uh, in my marriage, it's so mediocre, and it's been that way for as long as I can remember. I don't want, I don't want my marriage to be where, it, where, it's, where it's been. I want a new place. I want, I want a new path. I want, I want it to be different. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you would say, I want to get out of debt. Or I want to get rid of an addiction. I want to stop this. I want to stop that. And, and if you, you, can add, you, can, you, can, you could be thinking maybe 20 different things. You could like, I don't want to stop crack. I don't want, I want to stop shooting people. I don't know. But... Pick one. Pick one. Jot it down. What is it that you want most? What do you want most? And let me ask you the second part of this question. Here's the second part. This is in your notes. What do you need to choose now? What do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? Because you can't get where you want to go. You can't achieve what you want to achieve without making the discipline hard choice now and saying no to something you want in the immediate. What do you need to choose now? What do you need to do right now that will help you get to what you want most? Maybe you would say, I want to be close to God. Maybe that's what some of you have said. Maybe that you're, you're, you're so distraught or there's some, there's some stuff that has led you to a place where you're begging for God right now. God, where are you? We're, I, I'm really longing for a connection with you. You'd say, I want God. I would say this. What do you, what do you need to choose right now? Maybe, maybe you need to choose to get a Bible app on your phone. 
Maybe you need to choose, I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'll tell you one of the, one of the simplest, smartest things that I have ever done is get a Bible app on my phone. You've heard me say this so many times in the past. But knowing my personality, I am the king of this. I am not a consistent person in anything. Does that shock you? However, however, I know where I want to go. And because I know me, I've got to do a lot of little things to get me periodically to where I need to go. I don't steady Eddie anything. I'm never on a perfect little plane. I'm like highs and lows, but I'm going where I, I want to go. And here, here's one small way. I have this Bible app, and I have started several, several uh, little Bible studies on this, several little devotionals. And if you, you would laugh, you would crack up if I showed you how many devotions, devotionals that I've started because it will show you on a little graph, like you're this far along with completing devo- this devotion. You know how many devotions I've started and not finished? All of them. But do you know how many I've started? Hundreds of them. So what I'm saying is, however you can get where you want to go, start. If you're saying, I want to grow in my relationship with God, start reading the Bible. Give yourself some simple helps to get you where you want to go. Say you want to lose 20 pounds. What do you need to do? Go join the gym. Call, call a friend. Hey, make me meet you to do something to get my butt out of the bed tomorrow. So help me the Lord. My God, help me. Make it happen. You, know you, you, you got you to make the choice. Hire a trainer. Get help. Start your diet. Start now, not tomorrow. You, wanna, you want a better marriage? Pray tomorrow. Start praying with your spouse. Do a date night once a week. Where do you want to go? If we want to get there, what do you need to choose now to achieve what you want most? I want to, free, I want to, I want to be free from addictions, from an addiction. Admit it. Admit it. Ask for help. Maybe, maybe get some counseling. Maybe, maybe connect in a support group to some extent. You want to get out of debt? Stop spending more. You got, that, that's a discipline that we have to choose if we're going to get out of debt. Maybe take one of our financial peace, peace classes. It's hard work. I know it's hard work. It's hard work. Yes. So choose your pain. Remember? Choose your pain. You're choosing pain on the front end or pain will choose you on the back end. You get to choose on the front end. You don't get to choose on the back end. Paul goes on to explain it like this. Is he talks about how he wins. This is how Paul wins. Again, Paul's saying it's not, it's not something I can do. I'm not the answer to my equation. Remember, he talked, he talked about how miserable his existence was in that moment. I'm doing what's wrong. I can't get it right. I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. I'm blowing it. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, he says, so I run with what? This is, this is huge. I run with what? Help me out. I run with purpose. Say it loud. I run with purpose in every step. Not some some steps, but in every step. I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. He's going, guys, I'm talking about life. 
I'm talking about life and death. I'm talking about living your life without regrets. I'm not talking about something that's frivolous. I'm not talking about just getting up there, looking in a mirror, and, and doing this, these disciplines for show. He says, I'm not shadow boxing. He says, I discipline my body. In other words, I beat my body into submission. I'm telling my body, I'm telling myself where I want to go, and if we're going to get there, we're going to take these steps. So Paul's kind of like manning up here. He says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what I, what I should do. But I would say this. You can't have purpose in, your st- in every step apart from Christ. Let me be, be, be real honest. I, I, I have to battle discipline in every area of my life. I really do. There isn't, you, you might say, well, you're the pastor, it's easy for you. <clears throat> Here's the truth. Long before I was the pastor, I was a man. Really. Long before I was a pastor, I was a man. I battle food stuff. I mean, I really, I mean, I'm like, but you're, you're like skinny and lanky. I, I mean, I have to work hard to try to hang with my 11-year-old son in a mile run now. You know, I, I, I have goals still. I, I want to achieve. I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to be faster. I want all that. So, I mean, man, battling food and making those choices and walking away from Krispy Kreme donuts as my church leads me into temptation every week is difficult. I mean, I'm probably winning about 70% of the time. Weekends, man, I'm not doing good on weekends. I'm just being honest. All right? Stuff, man, I like stuff. I like stuff. I mean, I I get on the Internet and I look and I'm like, wow, yeah, man, I want one of those. Then I'll shop it. I'll shop it and I'll look and I'll hunt and I'll hunt. My wife says, I'm always hunting something. Always. I am. I'm always hunting something. I'm hunting three or four things at the same time sometimes. It's really bad. I like stuff. And I have to always, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm mid-40s and I'm like, I still battle lust. I'm still a guy. I still have to like, wear your eyes, pay attention. Whoop, no, say no. Now, but let me tell you how this works. There's, There's tons of information out there about rewiring your brain. Right? Have you ever read anything? There's some, there's some really wonderful Christian authors uh, that have written some incredible stuff. But I, wanna, I just want to say this. I have, I have a few dogs at my house, and I'm, getting, I'm becoming more like my dad and I, and in that I like a nice lawn. So I, I get out there and I mow my line straight. I don't leave any holidays, as my dad would call them when I'd cut the corner and I'd leave a little sprig right there. He's like, son, some holidays right there. You took a holiday. I say the same thing to my son J.D. now. But I like, I like it mowed nice. I get out there, I pull weeds. Uh, I fertilize for years, and I finally gave it up because it wasn't working as good as the other guys that could come in and fertilize. But I like my lawn nice. And I, I got these dadgum dogs that drive me crazy because when a, when a FedEx truck drives up or someone drives up, they're always on the back porch, and they run around to the front, and they create a, a, a path. And they do it the same way every time, every day. So I'm like, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm a human. I will outsmart you. So I go to Home, Home Depot. I go to Lowe's. I, I buy these. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a kind of a round top with two little stakes that goes in the ground. It's about this tall. It's got little butterflies in it, some mesh metal stuff. And I like buy them, and I stick them in their path. And I'm like, get you some of that, dog. Man, dog, man, dog. And they run around it. 
And then the path goes like this. So I started thinking, like, you know, that's kind of how we are. You know, we, 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 we all want a great lawn, right? We want a great life. And we, have basic two, we basically have two choices. You can come out your yard, you know, you're out your house. I don't know how your sidewalks are set up or not, but you can walk the, the, the straightest, quickest path to your car to go where you want to go. But if you keep walking the same way, you're going to leave a trail in your yard. And what I'm saying is the more we walk in the wrong direction, the easier it gets. So if you're at a place right now in your life and you know you know God's got something different for you, but you just haven't you haven't asked him for his help, you haven't taken these first steps, you know you want to get somewhere else. The longer you're walking the wrong path, the easier it gets. But I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you, I know this to be true. It takes one time to start going a different direction. And you may slip back and continue to wear the wrong path. But every time you choose, every time you say, I'm going to choose, I'm, I'm going to choose to discipline myself today. I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to look at that today. Guess what you just did? You started rewriting a new path in your brain. You know what Scripture says? God knew all this before psychologists got involved. God said, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. That's what that means. Guard your heart. Start, start choosing to take a new path. See, I'm not going to live in regrets. I'm not going to do it. Not when I know that I know that I know Paul says I can win. Not, that I, not, not when I realize that, that Jesus gave his whole life, died on a cross, rose from the dead to equip me, to equip us with strength so we can win. I will not live in regrets. I think we need to make a choice today. We choose today to say, I choose discipline over regret. Stay with me. Just, just oblige me this morning, okay? Let's say it. I choose to live with discipline over regret. I choose discipline over regret. Say it loud. I choose discipline over regret. One more time. I choose discipline over regrets. Listen, we're not the answer to this equation. It's not just me just willing myself into better Jeff. I've done that before. Listen, this goes back to Paul says I run with purpose in every step. That means every day I need Jesus. Every day. I admit it. I'm weak. I admit it. I'm weak. Yesterday, I performed a funeral of a guy who uh, was an amazing leader in our community. I looked out in the audience. I got nervous. Jim Blanchard was out there and some other big Columbusites. And I, and, I, and, and, and I saw this man who we've gotten to know over the last few years, and we, we, we buried him yesterday. And I realized yesterday, life is fragile. It goes by fast. This guy was 69 years old. He'd retired early. And I just realized how fast life goes. We can't waste any single choice that we make from here on out. Can't do it. But I also realized this. We are going to find ourselves weak. We're going to find ourselves weak. And in this guy's 
last days, it would appear that his body, that he was a weak man because he died. But flip the script for just a moment. Flip this script. Think about this. When you and I are at our weakest, could it be that we're at our sweetest place to figure out and recognize our need for Jesus? Could it be? How about this? Scripture says this. Scripture says in Corinthians that his power is made perfect in what? My, say that with me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. So could it be that when I'm weak and I'm wearing a path out in the wrong direction, could it be that when I'm at my weakest point, I can find the greatest strength known to mankind, and it's Jesus. See, again, this goes back. It always goes back to Jesus. Always goes back to Jesus. Jesus solves all of life's complexities, difficulties, struggles, and problems. Sin, pain, suffering, and death. It all summarized in those three, isn't it? I can't live any single day apart from Christ. Paul says, run to win. Discipline yourselves. Go towards going for your purpose. But don't go alone. Go closely with your Savior who loves you. Let's pray. God, we just, God, this is, this is a subject, man. I, I feel like that, that I needed desperately. God, I can squander. I, I can squander time. I can squelch you by just doing my own stupid stuff. And then I'm, then I'm like, I want to do what's right, and I can't. So, Lord, I pray that you would today, you would just lead us back to the cross. Help us remember what you've already done. You've already died. You've already risen from the dead. We don't have to live alone in our own strength when Jesus Christ is a risen Savior. You came and did what you said you would do. You did it. You rose from the dead. We can live in freedom. We can live. We can walk away from regrets. And we can make choices daily that lead us to where you want us to go. God, would you help us do that? In your name I pray. Amen.